1: And it really ushered in this new era that we're in right now, which is one where you can no longer rely on third-party data to drive your business. You must have a zero-party data strategy where you are the one acquiring that information. You are the one acquiring that data that you own, that you control, that you can then feed back to the Facebooks and the Googles and the YouTubes of the world to serve the right content at the right time to the right people. You're listening to Perpetual
2: Traffic.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic podcast. This is your host Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies in acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And today we're talking ask funnels, guys. Like this is really exciting. So we're not going to be talking as much traffic, kasa maslam. We're going to be talking about like what you actually do with that traffic and the misnomer of. Yeah, cheap leads are not necessarily good leads. And I think we could probably talk about that for probably about 45 minutes just unto itself. But I'm really excited to have Ryan Levesque on this week's show. And I think it's been like a decade or so since he's been on perpetual traffic. So far back, I don't even remember. But anyway, there you go. But that isn't the thing that I really wanted to talk about before we get into today's show. It's the disgusting news that you... Kasim Aslam won, what is it, your fourth Wicked Smart at War Room. Instead of bragging, maybe you can tell. It was a affirmative action at work, Ralph. <laughs> that's it. Mm, that's right. It's, it's one of those things that is becoming, it's an epidemic. It's a pandemic, I think, at War Room. You winning Wicked Smart. So what was it, congratulations, by the way, for the fourth time. What was it that you can bestow upon the perpetual traffic listener here about how you want it, and why you are so smart.
2: But more importantly, why they're going to be so smart implementing this thing that you figured out. So it's simple, but it's a value bomb. In November of 2020, YouTube came out and said, you can target any video on YouTube and any channel on YouTube, regardless of whether or not that video or channel is opted into monetization. It used to be that unless somebody had monetization enabled, you couldn't advertise on their channel. Well, YouTube opened it up. So what we did is me and my business partner shot a video called The Ultimate Guide to Google Ads for 2022. And then I went and I found every single video on YouTube that was a guide to Google ads. And I ran our video over top those videos as an ad. This is a 45 to 50 minute video but what ended up happening is when somebody you know searches for the guide to Google Ads, or it's recommended in their in their YouTube feed, and they click on the video, the first thing they hear is me saying "Welcome to the Ultimate Guide for Google Ads for 2022." So they assume I'm assuming you know, this is anecdotal now at this point, but we had an insane watch rate, we had an insane click through rate, thirty five cent CP- CPVs. I think the average uh, view time was like eight minutes like which is unbelievable for an ad for an ad and it's because people didn't realize at first that it was an advertisement so here's what you do if you're listening to this create a piece of cornerstone content regardless of the industry that you're in and then go run that as an ad on top of any one of your competitors or competitive alternatives because what you're doing is you're stealing their most valuable youtube traffic so this is the ethical way to go steal the most valuable YouTube traffic that your entire competitive market has. Now, interestingly, I, and I don't know why this is. There seems to be no rhyme or reason. There were some videos that I couldn't get to, ads to play on, and I don't know why. So YouTube seems to you know, give preferential treatment to some videos over others. And, and I have a feeling that this strategy is only going to get better and better as YouTube acclimates us to ads on non-monetized channels. But the real key is don't run the ad on a channel. YouTube allows for individual video placements so run your video on top of somebody else's individual video and you're gonna go steal their their most valuable traffic regardless
0: of whether they're they have ads activated on the video dude it's nuts you can do it that's fascinating
2: and that's that's you know a year and a half that that's been going on and nobody's using the
0: damn thing so Wow. Does it matter like how you intro the video? I mean, does it, are you trying to exact match in essence, like what the title of this video that you're commandeering
2: over them? No, not exact. So like some of the videos, some of the placements I was running on were like, you know, Google ads guides for 2020. But what you want to do is you want to introduce the video in a way that makes them understand the topic instantly and the fact that it's not necessarily an ad. And so if you, you can go find this on my YouTube channel, you can see the ultimate guide for Google ads for 2022. It's the very first thing I say, welcome to the ultimate guide for Google ads for 2022. So before you can even get to that skippable moment, I've introduced the fact that this, and it, you know, it's, a, it's an awesome piece of content. Like we, we really invested some time into it, but if your competitors have a YouTube video that's performing really well, go record your own version of that video and then just run an ad on top of it. And that's the best way that you can, you know, possibly have to go steal their, their best traffic.
0: 100%. There you go. Oh, we're not even talking about like YouTube ads on this. So we're getting sort of a two for one here because uh, Ryan Levesque, who is going to be talking about the Ask method and some really cool stuff that he's doing there, as well as some case studies and ways that you might be able to get involved with his stuff, is waiting in the wings in the virtual green room on perpetual traffic. So can't wait to start talking with him in just a second. So stick around. We're going to get into the interview with Ryan Levesque right after this quick break. <laughs> where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are here with Ryan Levesque. In today's conversation, we're going to be talking about the ask method. If you don't know what that is, you might have been living under a rock, I think, for the last, I don't know, 10 plus years in the digital space. It seems like it's been around for a really long time. I remember actually one of our first hires at Tier 11 We hired them because they had gone out and bought the ask method on their own, even though they weren't making any money online. And that person is actually still with us today. So thank you, Ryan Levesque, for getting like employee number three at tier 11 and welcome to Perpetual Traffic Buddy. Oh, Ralph, it's awesome to be
1: here. Very excited for our conversation. Glad to hear that. And gosh, you know, the world has changed a lot. And so what, We do here in this topic here today has evolved a lot over the last decade, and I'm excited to share what's new and relevant and working right here, right now in the world that we live in here today.
2: Can I fanboy just for for a second for our listeners? I've been a Ryan Levesque fan for a long, long time. I really mean that. So when I I got to meet you at uh, a mutual friends event, and dude, I've never seen anybody that can just fire so quickly on all cylinders. Like you were holding three conversations with three different people and and in control of all three of them. It's like you're, you are like the, the quiz funnel ask method. Like I see it working in your head. It's it's the way that you function. And then all you've done is just like digitize yourself. So I'm really, really excited. Yeah. You just, just pulled that out of your head and like taught people how to do it. And
0: like Dumbledore in the memory, you know, like pulled it out and then put it digitally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, that's hilarious. I, I don't know if
1: that's entirely accurate, but we'll be talking a lot about buckets here today and uh, putting the world in buckets and seeing the world in buckets and your audience in different buckets and how to use the power of we're going to be talking about. So I think you're right. You know, Maybe maybe there's a way to compartmentalize conversations like that. We just recently watched the Magnus Carlsen uh, documentary, the chess documentary of his story and his rise to become the number one chess player in the world. And I remember the scene where he played about nine lawyers at Harvard simultaneously, nine different games simultaneously blindfolded and won every single one. Being able to convey and have multiple games in his mind at the same time. So we're going to talk about how to have multiple conversations at scale at the same time with your audience, with your market, with the different segments of your market. But you don't have to be a genius or world-class chess grandmaster to be able to
0: do that. You just need to have the right tools and tactics. So let's maybe take a step back here. Like it seems to me like the ask method and quiz funnels, which basically you invented, have been around forever. For those people who maybe aren't familiar with what you do, maybe just give a little bit of a background and sort of the evolution of it. I know you had sort of a really interesting, you know, first online business, which sort of led to this, but maybe just give the folks a little bit of a background there in case they don't know who you are.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we've built now a, a five-time Inc. 5000 company and a software company that's now used by over 30 million end users um, around the world using what's come to be known as a, a quiz funnel or an ask funnel, as you described it, which is really a methodology where when someone lands on your website, instead of first beginning to sell your product or service or get them to download your traditional lead magnet, you begin by asking a series of questions and you use the answers to those questions to personalize the experience that someone gets. So you come customize the messaging, you customize your marketing, you customize the offers that you put in front of someone. And there are all sorts of powerful things that you can do. Like, for example, customize your remarketing, build custom audiences and remarketing audiences based on how people answer these questions. And so it's evolved into arguably the most sophisticated form of conversational marketing online. Going from a transactional paradigm to a conversational paradigm and tapping into the power of owning your own data, which I know is a very relevant topic for us to dive into here today. So at the highest level, that's kind of how things um, are here today. My start, I kind of came into this world going into 23 different totally weird and uh, wild niche markets, Uh, markets like Scrabble Jewelry and Orchid Care and Memory Improvement and all sorts of random things. And so I cut my teeth kind of going into all these different niche markets very, very early in my career and sort of evolved that process into a methodology that we now teach and, of course, a technology that corresponds with
0: that methodology to make it all happen. Yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah. The orchid care one was the one that I was actually thinking of. I think that's probably the first presentation I had. Like that was your first, was that, if I'm not mistaken, one of your first, in essence, Quiz funnels exactly yeah
1: so we launched that business gosh in 2008 and uh, first month in business we made 370 dollars within 18 months we're making 24 thousand dollars a month and then within three years we're making about 117 thousand dollars a month and the way we built that business uh, we built an audience the largest audience of orchid growers online so orchid care enthusiasts we did it on the back of a quiz funnel so we had questions that we would ask people and we had a few different you know variations of this what type of orchid is right for you what orchid care mistakes are you making and taking people down this path, building this massive audience of people. And we did that same approach in, in 23 different niche markets before kind of deciding to teach the process and build a technology
2: around it. And that technology, Ryan, isn't that's not publicly available, right? Like every time I've ever tried to sign up for Bucket, I get, a, I get a wait list wall. Like, why won't you take my money?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. So one of the things that we found just in, in our evolution in, in our own business is that when we've given people the technology alone, it's like selling someone an airplane that you just put in their driveway and you say, all right, good luck, fly this thing. And it's sort of like one of those things where you say, ah, it's a really cool airplane, but but, but I'll, I don't want to touch it. What we've learned is for people to be successful with this model, they, they really need three things. A, they need the airplane. They need the technology. B, they need the, the flight school, the training, the teaching on how to actually use that piece of technology. And C, oftentimes that first flight that made in Voyage... It's best if they co-pilot that voyage. In other words, they have an expert pilot flying the vehicle, flying the plane, so they can see exactly how it works. And so our model has evolved in such a way that we teach people how to implement this methodology, arm them with the technology itself. But then the first time around, we actually build out the whole thing for our students, for our clients. So they can see what it should look like and then they can replicate that process down the road. So if you kind of keep that airplane analogy or metaphor in your mind, that's what we found ultimately leads to the most success implementing what we're going to be talking about here today.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You don't want to put that tool in somebody's hand unless they actually really know what they're doing. And obviously it it leads to a lot of frustration. I, I think there was not that gate at some point in time and I remember talking to some of my friends and they're like yeah I've got funnel.io you want access to it or whatever you know what I mean and they weren't doing anything with it it was just sitting there all on its own that's what happens is exactly what happens what we found is
1: that you know bucket.io is a technology and what we found is that like like many things in life you know you have that Lamborghini or that airplane that's sitting in your driveway and it just doesn't get flown. And what we'll talk about here today are some tactics and strategies that you can use to take advantage of really what I think is the most exciting time in digital marketing history, certainly in the last 15 years, that uh, I've been part of this world. And I've seen the movement from Overture to Yahoo, Yahoo to Google, Google to Facebook, and all the major advertising platforms sort of evolving. But we've entered into what we're describing, certainly as this third sort of era of digital marketing, what we call, you know, Web 3.0. Now, Web 3.0 is a term that I think many people, it evokes crypto and NFTs. But if you look at sort of the history of digital marketing, what's gotten us to where we are here today, Web 1.0 is everyone has their own website, democratization of information. You don't have to go to the library anymore to look up stuff. You can just go to a website, right? So, proliferation of all these different places. And then you now had uh, Web 2.0, which was the consolidation, right? You've got all of the big tech. You've got Facebook. You've got Twitter. You've got YouTube, all these platforms where people said, you know what? I don't want to maintain my own server. I'd rather just set up a, a Facebook group. That's a lot easier than building my own website. So you had this massive consolidation. And now we're seeing this decentralization again. And of course, in the digital marketing world, we saw really the sort of hallmark event was when Apple made the big announcement and over a year ago now. And uh, with their iOS 14 operating system said, we're no longer going to be feeding our third party data to the big data aggregators, to the Facebooks of the world, and really cut the umbilical cord. And when we experienced that, I think many people recognized that it was a change in digital marketing, change in digital advertising. We couldn't rely on that third-party data being fed into Facebook and let Facebook say, you know, we should be serving your ads to. And I think most of us had an experience where our ad costs went up, our conversion rates went down, the effectiveness of our traffic just sort of to, to decrease. And it really ushered in this new era that we're in right now, which is one where you can no longer rely on third-party data to drive your business, you must have a zero-party data strategy where you are the one acquiring that information. You are the one acquiring that data that you own, that you control, that you can then feed back to the Facebooks and the Googles and the YouTubes of the world to serve the right content at the right time to the right people. And what's really cool about what we're going to be talking about here today is we're going to walk through a tactical approach that you can use to shift your reliance from third party data to zero
2: party data that you actually own. And Ryan, help us define terms. What's the difference between zero party data and first party data? Why the distinction? So, Great question.
1: So third-party data is uh, data that is um, uh, provided by some third-party source that you are leveraging in your business, right? So when we think about, you know, cookies, for example, that would be, you know, third-party data. When we think about a user's behavior on a website off of Facebook, Facebook taking that information to build a data profile about someone because they visited a camping website and read a camping article and watched a camping video. Well, that person is into camping. So Facebook can create a persona that if you want to serve your ads to people who are interested in camping on Facebook, you can do that. When iOS 14 came up, Apple basically said, we are cutting the umbilical cord. We're no longer making that connection available, which really cut Facebook off at the knees. So third-party data is in that direction. First-party data are actions that people are taking on your website, i.e., what links are they clicking on? What pages are they visiting? What are the user actions that people are taking on your website that you own? Zero-party data is the gold standard, which goes one step further. What information are your users on your website explicitly volunteering about themselves? Not behavior that you are tracking in the background on what they're clicking, but when you ask them questions on your website, what information is a user explicitly providing? If you have a backpack website and you say, hey, what backpack is right for you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. And the user is greeted with a series of questions, and those questions say something to the effect of, tell me, are you looking to buy a backpack for yourself or someone else? Oh, for someone else. Are you looking to buy a backpack for an adult or a child? A child. Are you looking to buy a backpack for an elementary school student, a middle school student, a high school student, college school student, or other? I'm looking to buy a backpack for a high school student. How are they going to be using the backpack? To carry school books, to go camping, to travel on an airplane, or something else? That is zero-party data that is being explicitly shared by your website visitors so that ultimately you can better serve them and ultimately better sell to them. That is the gold standard of data. And we are moving in a world that in the data-focused and privacy-focused world that we live in, that the world of third-party data is behind us. That's the previous era that we're in. And even elements of first-party data are at risk right now. The one thing that you can count on is when someone lands on your website and volunteers information about themselves so you can put in front of them the best product, the best offer, the best marketing, the best message based on information they've explicitly provided for you. That is data
2: that you own. That is data that you control. This is a really important distinction because up until this point, I've been calling zero party data, first party data. I've been bundling everything that anybody tells me and anything they do on the site into one category. And I absolutely see the need for the distinction. So I appreciate that very much. Thanks for the education there.
0: As opposed to actions being taken on the site, like I fired a page view event.
1: Well, that's still a little bit, you know, it's still a bit freaky, right? That's still
2: Facebook spying on your dinner conversation type stuff. Mm. With Google Analytics, the update that's coming, y'all, they're going to disassociate. Everything that you get to see from a first party perspective is going to be lifted. So this is the world that we're living in, and and obviously Google made the announcement
1: earlier this year that within two years, that paradigm is done, and they're already making moves with the new Google Analytics updates from the UA to the new formats that makes that deprecated very, very quickly. So the question is, what do you do about it, right? Like, we've all been getting fat on the land over the last, you know, five, six, seven years, and so the question is, how do you shift your strategy? Categorically, you must have a zero-party data strategy, because here's the thing. When you have a zero-party data strategy, so i.e. a funnel, when someone lands on your website, we are asking for this information. You can then connect, if you have the right technology, you can then connect that back to your Facebook account. You can connect that back to your Google advertising account. And what you can then do is, number one, you can run remarketing campaigns to people who have answered these questions on your website based on the answers to those questions. So you can customize your remarketing campaigns, but you can go one step further. You can be that umbilical cord provider back to Facebook. So Apple's cut off the tap, but you can provide that data back to Facebook and say, see these people that I'm sharing with you who are like this, 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 and this, find me more people like that. That is how your marketing becomes more intelligent. Now, so the technology that we just described, bucket.io has a direct integration with the Facebook API with the Google API to be able to do that. So just imagine for a moment, someone lands on your website and you're asking these questions and you're paying for that traffic, whether it's organically or direct with uh, uh, paid performance advertising, you're driving that traffic to your website off one of the big platforms. And then you can then feed that information back to Google slash YouTube, Facebook slash Instagram. Your machine becomes increasingly intelligent because you're able to say, find me more people like this who landed in bucket one. I want more high school students looking to buy a backpack preparing to go to college because they're my highest value bucket. So give me more
2: people like that. One challenge to the paradigm, and I know how you're going to hurdle this, but I think it's, it's, it's a worthy question, especially for our listeners. When you're building these buckets, there's a massive critical mass issue. Because if you're piping this data back into Google and back into Facebook, they need a, a certain number of users to match. And especially Facebook right now is having a difficult time with matching. So if I poured a thousand users into Facebook, they're probably going to match a hundred. And I think, I don't remember what it is. Does anybody know what's the matched user count that you have to have before to build an audience? Is it 200 at last check? Okay. So you need 200 matched users, which might mean you need 2000 data points, which for a small organization, getting to 2000 data points in one bucket is tough. So it's, it's almost, it's almost incumbent upon you to spend more. God forgive the paid traffic guy for saying that. Or you just can't. You can't build those delineations. And I don't know, Ryan, right, is there a, is there a, a way around that? An answer to that?
1: So there's two pieces to that, right? So what that tells you instantly is when was the best time to have this set up in your business?
2: Twenty years ago. <laughs> Twenty. Years
1: ago, right? When's the second best time to set it up? Today, because it ain't gonna change. It ain't gonna change right? We have this conversation two years from now. If you're still talking about it two years from now, what are you going to say? Man, I wish I would have set that up back when I first found out about this. So it's not going to change. It's not going to change. The game has changed for everybody. So you get to either decide to play the new game or you can take your ball and cry and go home. Those are the options. But this new paradigm exists. The old world will not come back. That old paradigm of getting fat off the land and just letting the data that Facebook was stealing from all these different places and relying on that, that game is behind us. And so what's happened is you've seen this demarcation between people who are succeeding in this new sort of third era of digital marketing and those who are continuing to struggle right now, who are not able to get the same results that they're able to get in the old paradigm. So that's the, that's the first part of it. Second part of it is think about this piece of feeding that data back to the aggregators, to the big platforms, as an Nice add-on, but it's not necessary to succeed with this strategy. At the end of the day, let's kind of zoom up one level. What are we doing here? When someone lands on your website, even if you're getting 10 website visitors a day, when someone's landing on your website, you've got two choices. You can sell to them in a one-size-fits-all way. Just throw the kitchen sink at them, cross your fingers, and hope that your messaging and marketing is landing. Or you can do what you would naturally do in the real world if you're having a conversation with someone. You meet someone in the real world. you start selling to them right away? No. What do you do? You say, you know, someone comes up to you and says, you know, hey, man, what backpack should I buy? You don't say, this backpack. You say, well, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Can you just tell me a little bit about, like, how you're going to use the backpack, what your budget is, like, you know, what's your favorite color? Like, just tell me a little bit about what you might be interested in. Now, you can have that conversation one at a time, or you can have that conversation at scale with hundreds or thousands of people at a time by building this conversational ask quiz funnel in your business. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. So you can ultimately better sell and better serve. And we'll talk about some of the big benefits behind this between cheaper leads, higher conversion, faster results, not to mention that data that you get, which is so incredibly valuable because that's data that you own. You know, pop quiz, would you rather have a list of 100 people and just know their email address? Or would you, have, would you rather have a list of 100 people and you know 10 data points about each one piped into your CRM, piped
2: into your ESP, what's more valuable? Of course, it's option number two. Well, you could take that and quantify it. I'd rather have a list of 10 people if I had all that versus 100 people with just their emails. Exactly. And what's beautiful is with this strategy, you can have your cake and eat it
1: too. Because not only do you see higher conversion on an offer, A front top of funnel offer that is not download my free ebook, but instead is find out your results. Notice the difference. The first version is all about me as the marketer. Me as the business owner. Take
2: this quiz to find out your type. There are five of them. I, I always you know, get a little pissy about that though. Like you get to this like what Harry Potter house do you belong in, right? And I go through the twenty minutes of answering all these stupid questions. And then at the end, it's like, all right, well, give me your email and I'll send it to you. I feel held hostage. So how do you how do you get around that? You know? So first and foremost, what we're
1: talking about here are not the Harry Potter quizzes. So that's the first thing. I'm right?
2: Gryffindor, by the way. I found that
0: out definitively. Oh, good, good for you. Yeah. Slytherin myself, actually. Sorry.
1: <laughs> you know, those quizzes are great for getting clicks. I call them the BuzzFeed quizzes. We've all seen them before, right? They're entertaining, they're fun. You can take them, do whatever you want with them. But those quizzes are not designed to convert clicks into customers. They're not designed to take people down this path where you attract, diagnose, and prescribe. See, the reason why people are willing to provide their information, their email, in exchange for getting their quiz results is because you are truly offering something of value. So first and foremost, when we look at designing one of these quizzes, there are a few big mistakes that people make. The first big mistake is they have the wrong hook, the wrong big idea to attract someone in the first place. This is not about one of those time-wasting quizzes, what Harry Potter character are you. You are actually going to be providing value to the person who takes the quiz that far exceeds the hurdle of providing their email address in exchange for a report delineating what's wrong with them. I'll give you an example. So there's a quiz that we helped uh, a company, a weight loss supplement company um, build a few years ago that's done millions of people. I think 4 million people have taken this quiz, um, and it's called the weight loss type quiz. And it's a quiz to help you identify which of your weight loss hormones is most likely to be most out of balance. There are four of them. There is adiponectin, ghrelin, cortisol, and insulin. And based on which weight loss hormone is most out of balance, it helps you determine, number one, what foods you should avoid eating. What type of exercise is gonna be most effective to help you get your weight back in line? And what dietary supplementation is right for you? Now, if you've struggled with weight and you've tried a whole bunch of different things and nothing has worked before, it's incredibly valuable to know if you are type A, type G, type I, or type C, one of the four major weight loss types. So, for someone who's in pain, when you are truly solving a problem in a person's life, you will be shocked at the percent of people who are willing to provide their contact information. In fact, we will see upwards of 70 to 80% opt-in rates on cold traffic on well-designed quiz funnels that follow that framework of attract, diagnose, and prescribe, and actually deliver something of value. Not a Harry Potter quiz, but a true value-added experience.
2: Hey, it's Costum here, and I have another question for you. What would your business look like if you had 55% more traffic, 67% more leads, and 30% more revenue on top of what you're already producing. Would that make a big difference in your bottom line or even your bank account? Well, those are the statistics for businesses that blog consistently. And I think the reason is simple. It's because Google wants to recommend websites with helpful content. Here's the problem. If you're like me, you don't have the time to sit down and write blogs. And even if I did manage to get enough words on the page, none of it's going to be any good. So if you're in that same position, I want to recommend our buddies at BKA Content. Who will write all of your blogs for you? They'll do all the research and all the writing. So all you have to do is copy and paste. If you want to try them out, they're giving PT listeners 50% off. That's 50% off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual.
0: Is it safe to say that this? type of funnel is really for you use the backpack analogy, which is like, that's great, but I don't want to answer seven questions about a backpack. I'm just going to go over here and Google it and find it. And like, I'm not going to do that. So uh, I'll be a naysayer on that one. The point is, is like, I kind of have like, that's not a really like, uh, burning issue for me. The stakes aren't really that high, but if I've tried 17 different diets and, you know, I'm morbidly obese and I just came back from my doctor's office and says, you're going to die, you know, of a heart attack if you don't start losing weight and I'm 250 pounds, whatever it is, five foot eight, like that is a far different scenario than it would be for the backpack customer. Like, and I love the, the like what you do, but that is always something that's like, At what point is it overkill? Like, do you have to have like the life-threatening instance or like the desire that's just like so high or highly competitive market, highly jaded users? Like, where is that balance when you start deploying
1: these methods? You know, I think in marketing in general, to the extent that you can solve an urgent problem, a burning problem, a bleeding neck problem, you're going to have more success in business no matter what. So if you're not solving a true problem that someone is looking to solve, life is going to be more difficult for you. So that's the first thing. That's not a quiz thing, that's not a ask thing, that's not a a bucket thing. That is just a business thing, right? So first and foremost, find a problem that people truly want to have solved and solve that problem. That's going to make your life easier. That's going to make your business more successful no matter what. And that's going to be different from one market to the other.
2: Wait, hold on, Ralph, do you realize what Ryan just said? Ryan just said that If your business doesn't support a quiz funnel, you're in the wrong damn business. Which I, Dude, I kind of agree with what you're saying. You're like, look, if the stakes aren't high enough, then maybe you're selling the wrong product. You you have the wrong service. True. Yeah. True. This is not going to put
0: lipstick on a pig.
2: Yeah. If what you're doing right now is working, keep doing it.
1: But if you're here right now listening to this conversation, because you either A, ain't making it work, or you want to get better results, I'm going to shoot straight. This is the reality. If you are not solving an urgent problem, my, my hallmark of a, of, of a business that's going to be successful is solve an urgent problem in the context of an enthusiast market. What that means is find an enthusiast market, a market in which people are, are buying over and over and over again. They buy multiple things. They buy multiple times. They stay in that market for long periods of time and identify what are the urgent problems in the context of that enthusiast market. So, for example, in the dog market, right, dog markets, we all, you know, the dog market's a massive multi-billion dollar market. It's a lot harder to sell dog tchotchkes that nobody really needs than to solve, for example, a bleeding neck urgent problem, like, for example, how to potty train your puppy. You bring a puppy home for the very first time, and the dog is peeing on the rug, and peeing on the carpet, and peeing on the couch, and peeing on the bed. Like at some point, you look at your spouse and you say, "We got to solve this thing. Like this, this has got to be like dealt with." That's an example of an urgent problem in the context of an enthusiast market. Now, when you solve that problem for someone, what's beautiful is that it opens the door for a future relationship. Because when you become the person solving that problem, you become the trusted expert or source for that person in that area of their life. So when they have the non-bleeding neck problem and they want to know, well, what do I do about this next thing? You've established yourself as their guide. And by guide, I don't necessarily mean an expert, a personality, a guru. I mean the brand that guides them in that area of their life. So yes, any top of funnel strategy should focus on what is that bleeding neck problem that people are looking to solve. Now, to say to answer your second part of your question, Ralph, you do not need to have a life-threatening situation in order for a quiz or an assessment to make sense in someone's life. You know, When you think about all the problems that people have, I'll give you a perfect one that's in the space that we're all in. This is the question I get asked all the time. By the way, if someone's looking for a great quiz idea, I'm just going to hand it to you on a silver platter right now. What ESP is right for me? Take the quiz to find out now. How many times you hear people talk about this? What do I use? Should I use Active Campaign, Drip, ConvertKit, MailChimp, Infusionsoft, Entreport, HubSpot? Which one should I use? A quiz or an assessment is a perfect tool to help answer that question. And by the way, you could just be an affiliate for all of those platforms and be an affiliate marketer on the back of that. So, I mean, we could go... Right? I'm just handing it to someone on a silver platter. Someone just got to jump in on it. Right. So we have a, here's a great one, right? So Cossum, you and I, we're, we're and I are part of a, a group. We're part of a, a great group. It's called Front Row Dads. It's a group really designed for, 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 for men who are looking to become better fathers and they're dads of all ages with kiddos of all ages, all, you know, from dads that are expecting their first child all the way through dads who have, you know, kiddos in their thirties and forties and everywhere in between. And so one of the things that um, the founder of this group, John Roman found is that that one of the biggest questions that people constantly ask that the men that approach him constantly ask is what is their blind spot? What are they missing when it comes to being a dad? Like, men who are driven to become the best that they possibly can be, sometimes we don't have a full perspective on what we're missing. And, you know, there are these blind spots that we tend to have, like, what am I, what am I not doing that I could be doing? Like, just tell me, like, how do I improve? And, and for many men, it's because either a, they didn't have a great father figure example and it's generational, right? It's like their father didn't have a great father figure example, times change. And then for other men, they might just want to get that outside perspective. But we don't have someone in our homes watching us and say, hey, here's how you can be a better father in this situation. So we just we, we're left wondering. So we created this assessment. It's called the dad quiz. You can take it to find out what's your biggest blind spot as a dad. What are you missing? Where can you improve? That's an example of something that's not a bleeding neck. It's not a life-threatening situation, but it serves a huge percentage of that market. And it's designed to help people identify what that blind spot is. And then what it naturally does when you introduce what we call the band-aid, which is what you do after the, the, the quiz, you give people the band-aid, which is kind of like that quick fix or a little bit of information, some in, uh, tips and, and strategies that they can use. It naturally opens the door to the question, all right, now that I know what my number one blind spot is, that's helpful, but what do I do about it? And that's the doorway that you can invite people to walk through to talk about your cure. And your cure, of course, is your paid product or service. So you're delivering value. You're delivering this Band-Aid based on a person's result. And you're opening the door for a conversation about your cure, your paid product or service.
0: So we're here with Ryan Levesque, and we've gone through just at a really high level, I think, really, what this whole thing is about. And we're skeptical marketers here, Ryan, between myself and Cossum. And I've got a lot and a lot of questions here. But I think understanding where this is applicable and like what type of product at the end of the day you actually do have to have a really good product or service. <laughs> I mean, something that does solve a specific problem. I think the opposite of everything that you're talking about is we actually had a customer years ago that did, you know, had the software bought into everything that you, you did and you advocate and went through and it was in the weight loss industry, but all the solutions came back to the same damn supplement. And that was really, and that was a big miss right there. But I mean, like this is a level of sophistication that is well above that. And the idea of actually having your cake and eating it too, I've seen it firsthand and there's so many businesses out there that either Potentially could incorporate this into their front end, or maybe have failed and tried and listened to today's show and now say, "Oh, now I get it. I was offering the cure and not the band aid," or you know, a variety of the different tips and and um, advice that you gave on today's show, which is hugely helpful for the perpetual traffic listener. So, yeah, we're pretty damn excited about this, and obviously, it's it's great to have you here uh, finally coming back. Where can people? get in touch with you. I think you got a few things cooking right now, perhaps. Yeah, the timing could not be better,
1: right? I'm so glad we're having this conversation now. And and the reason for that is once a year, we do a week-long workshop on how to create and build one of these conversational quiz ask funnels that we've been talking about. We call it the quiz funnel workshop. And it's it's normally $100 to attend. It's not a big ticket thing or anything like that. We charge an amount of money because we know that when people pay, people pay attention. But for all the perpetual traffic listeners here, we've set up a special page, a special link and a coupon code where you can attend this entire workshop for free. And the link is quizfunnel.com forward slash perpetual for perpetual traffic. And the coupon code that you want to use is perpetual. That will take that $100 ticket price down to zero. It'll be 100% free. And uh, Ralph and Cossum have worked uh, behind the scenes to make that available for all uh, the listeners here. So I would be honored to have you as a guest. And this is where we're going to go into a lot more detail. I know it's one thing to sort of hear about this in this format, but if you're like most people, you probably want to see examples, right? Like see what these examples actually look like. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how to come up with the big idea behind your quiz. We're actually going to go through a series of exercises together to figure out your hook for your quiz. We're going to talk about what questions you should ask in your quiz and help you figure out those questions. What offer makes the most sense on the back of your quiz? And really basically soup to nuts, start to finish, how to come up with all the pieces so that you are in a position to have success with this strategy. And again, it's quizfunnel.com perpetual. And the coupon code to use is perpetual to get a free pass to this week-long
0: workshop. This is awesome. Yeah, definitely take them up on this offer, guys. I mean, I've, I've been through the training at least twice. I believe we used to make this as like a part of our overall training for our agency, which it, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, we should probably do that and Bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Bring it
1: back. I don't know what we've been doing. And I'll tell you what, it's all new for the new Web 3.0 world that we're in. So there are some timeless principles that are always going to remain true. But on a tactical, practical level, how to apply it in today's world, has changed even
0: in the last year. Fundamentally. 100%. Yeah, this is great. So, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on on this week's show. Obviously, we'll leave all links in the show notes over at perpetualtraffic.com for this week's episode. And uh, let us know what we can do better. We actually do uh, read every single comment, even the ones that are directly emailed to me and Kassam. We read those as well because we constantly want to get better at doing what we're doing here. We thrive on your feedback. We thrive on your reviews, good, bad, or otherwise, over on wherever you're listening to podcasts. So, certainly leave review there and we'll read it out loud on the air here and make you perpetual traffic famous but if you don't want it to go that route go over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better fill that out and really appreciate you all listening so go back and listen to previous episodes obviously there'll be some links in the show notes here over at perpetualtraffic.com on behalf of my awesome co-host kasim aslam peace until next show see ya
2: you've been listening to perpetual traffic